Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dave Robinson and Nate Green. That was quite an introduction. That well, I'm kind of waking people up. The, that was better than the last one. I'm well, we're podcast number three. Well, well, we are rolling. We are three times better than the first time we started. If we say so ourselves. So, this is the Montrose Way podcast, and we appreciate everyone participating. And today we've got a great... Should we introduce ourselves? Topic. We are the Montrose group, but... We are the Montrose Group. We do economic development and public policy, consulting, economic development planning, public finance and incentives, uh, and marketing. So uh, we're an Ohio-based, Columbus, Ohio-based firm, but we do fortunate to do work all All over over the the place. place. Yep. Today, we're making America great again. In five steps. In five, five easy steps. So it's not that complicated. We have uh, we have officially recovered from the election. We're going to admit we were surprised, but hopefully, uh, I think quite frankly at this kit, at this point, I'm encouraged. You know, uh, by yes. by what we've seen in Washington. Well, certainly the picks, the president-elect's picks for his cabinets have been uh, steady, and I think a lot of the a lot of what he's talking about has been good. So I, I think what Donald Trump tapped into in. And again, we, we had talked, I think, in the first, in our first podcast about the election and why he won and, and you know, all those um, kind of that post-election analysis. You know, really, he, he ended up being victorious because he won some states throughout the, the Great Lakes and the Midwest that really no one thought he could. I think, I think people... Well, nobody were, expected. Nobody no. expected. And I think there was expectation that he would win Ohio, but certainly not Pennsylvania, or not Wisconsin. Michigan, not, not Wisconsin. Right. So... And he tapped into, I mean, you're, you're right, he tapped into something where, as, as we've talked about, we talked a little bit about our first episode, we've talked about in our, in our just some of the other things we do, that there's been such a decline in manufacturing that that's the challenge in America, uh, in rural America, um, that he tapped into and said, we need, to, we need to try to reverse this trend because it's not healthy. Well, and the challenge is, you know, Nate, I think as you said, is he's trying to address the deindustrialization. Of, of America that right. we've had, you know, at one point in the 70s, over 30% of our population manufacturing jobs, and now that number is just below 10%. Mm-hmm. Those are high-wage jobs that don't require advanced degree. You know, for the most part, it's a lot more skilled labor now than it, than it certainly was 30 years ago. But really, that that is the big test for Trump, and it's, I think, how we're going to measure whether, you know, four years from now, whether he really did make America great again. This, the, the southern part of the United States have grown substantially over the last 30 years. They've seen population growth. They've seen manufacturing growth. Mm-hmm. They've had a great string of success in recruiting global manufacturing firms, auto, large, large auto, auto manufacturing, airplane, steel. steel, you name it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we could have a whole show as to why that has happened, but the reality is for Trump to succeed... Politically, he needs to implement policies in Washington that really address the challenges of the, of the Great Lakes, yeah. industrial Midwest. And it's not easy. Redevelopment's always harder than developing green space. And the other challenge he's got is, and, and I think the election results showed this, is he was really ultimately successful politically because he captured that white working class voter union member or or family mm-hmm. you know was a, you know was was in a labor union in the past that had almost always voted democrat right 
because he won he won Democratic counties in this state that, that are had, that had not been for decades. Absolutely, Trumbull County, Ashtabula mm-hmm. County. So right. it was uh, clearly it was a major a major shift, major step. And again, if you if you look at this decline in in manufacturing, and you look at the U.S., so the U.S. has moved roughly from 2001, not even 1970, and 2001 moved from 15% of its employment in manufacturing to now 10. State of Michigan was above 20%, now it's just above 15%. Ohio, very similar numbers, about 20%, now down to 15%. Pennsylvania was at about 17%, now they're closer to 11 mm-hmm. Uh, Wisconsin's done a little bit better. Again, it's a little bit smaller state than, than some of these others we've talked about. Their manufacturing jobs were at about almost 25% in 2001, and they are maybe around 19. And but by and large, you look at all those states. You know, over the last 15 years, we've lost. But I mean, as a whole, I think is the number 450,000 manufacturing jobs. I mean, even with even with those, and we've had some bumps. I mean, even here in Ohio, as Governor mm-hmm. Kasich's been president, mm-hmm. been president, he'd love to be president. He would. As long as he's been governor, we have had increases in manufacturing. We're certainly not, as that graphic shows, to the level uh, that we once were. Uh, when Scott Walker, is he still governor? Yes. Yes. Uh, governor Walker, I mean, he's done a great job of bringing jobs uh, into Wisconsin from other places. But I think the challenge, as we've, as we've seen, is even with those gains... We're losing to China. We're losing to Mexico. We're losing to other other places, and those or those jobs are just going away because of productivity. Well, and, and the other thing I would say that you got to really understand this is the starting point, and the you know the the Trump folks had a white paper during the campaign that talked about their goal was to get manufacturing jobs back up yep. to twenty percent, which clearly would would help the economy, would help your workers, but it's probably not the whole solution. Oh, there's no way because it still only takes. 170 people to manufacture what it took a 1,000 in 1950. And that number is not going to be 175 well, next year. It's going to be lower. And productivity gains, we, we, we have seen since, I think, 1990, there's productivity gains every year. Yeah. And that's not going away. Well, And we see more. And, you know, if you talk in our business, in economic development, you know, whether it's, you know, we do a lot of site selection. We, we do site selection work. We know people that do that. Uh, if you talk to any site selector, manufacturing is not a big big play, uh, unless you're in an energy-intensive industry or something like that. So it's the main, that's not the whole answer to bring this economy back. So you're really looking at focused on uh, high-wage advanced service jobs, white-collar jobs in financial services, uh, healthcare sector, information, you know, the high-tech jobs, which are usually focused on high, you know, IT, uh, bio, uh, and really, kind of promoting those those global firms, the the foreign direct investment, as well as helping the ones that our domestic companies mm-hmm. export. So it's it's really got to be kind of diversified a strategy to start with. So how do we do this? You know, how does how does not just Washington, but but everyone try and meet that test of making America great again? Clearly, I think there's, from an economic standpoint, consensus that we need to reduce corporate taxes and reward domestic investment. And Which has been talked about for, for years. You look at where, other, where, where some of that investment has gone. I mean, Ireland, obviously, has been a big, mm-hmm. big recipient of those dollars, and a lot of revenue has gone there because their, their corporate tax rate is, is, if it's nothing, if it's not nothing, it's very close to that. 
But certainly one of the big ideas that, that Trump talked about, and I think it has some merit, is to reduce the corporate income tax from 35% to 15%. And, and the goal there is bring all that revenue or bring as much of that revenue back as possible and with the hopes that it gets reinvested, that it doesn't just go into, into you know, dividends and into, uh, into the investors' pockets, that it actually goes into, into investment. That's the hope. You know, some of the some of the feedback we're hearing from Washington besides the tax reform, and, and there's nothing new about that. You know, Congress has been debating that issue about how to repatriate some of that money from overseas, how to reduce the the overall corporate tax rate so it's more competitive with other industrialized countries. But I think what we're going to see come out of, of Washington and maybe this, this carrier deal, yeah. they're going to keep some jobs in Indiana basically based upon the goading of Donald Trump and Mike Pence. They got, I, some, yeah, I, they got a good incentive deal. But. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see the federal government get in the, get in the tax incentive business. Very possible. In some way. Very possible. So that they're going to, and, and quite well, frankly, it, some it, of it may be tariffs, yep. maybe a punishment, but some of it may also be It may an be a incentive. true incentive. Well, and there's no, as we know, there's there's no true federal federal incentives for, pro, for job creation projects. Well, and again, it'd be interesting to see how that works, because the reality is the you know, nearly the majority of the $4 trillion federal budget is funded by the individual income tax. Right. So that, you, that impacts not that? just individuals, but also LLCs and partnerships, right. which is what most small businesses are. And there's a lot of small businesses. Yeah, they, they pay taxes like a partnership. So yep. we think we think that's going to be a big issue. And, and again, well, the I think that's something that impacts that. In the, in the first, if it's 100 days, whatever, that's something that they will, they will go after pretty hard the first 100 days. Well, we talked about the... The four trillion dollar budget. The other, the other big item, and the second area is really what can you do from a budget standpoint to address the infrastructure and workforce gap mm-hmm. that, that that goes on and you know that, that that exists in the United States and is clearly you know very much a a challenge. If you look at what the federal government spends money on, they spend the overwhelming majority of their money on Social Security, unemployment. Medicare and Medicaid. So mm-hmm. it's basically a social welfare yep. organization. Uh, the percentage of spending on defense uh, is way down relative to where it was. Of course, the fourth largest spending line item is debt interest. Yeah, That's kind of frightening. But uh, veterans, food and agriculture, transportation, education, housing, science, international, energy, environment, pretty quickly become rounding errors. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're small blips. So and certainly transportation. I mean, that's a we we have we have a huge problem with our infrastructure today. Just the aging of infrastructure, and and we need to address it. Or you know, I mean, you're going to lose you lose jobs when you lose infrastructure. That's that's a problem. Oh, you can't time. you can't get into places, get out of places. People aren't going to want to locate there, or continue to, to continue to be there. So you, you see the Trump folks really well positioned on infrastructure. And again, I'm not sure. Uh, if their proposal is going to carry the day completely, they, the, the Trump folks have a trillion-dollar uh, private equity-based infrastructure plan that's kind of based upon a big tax credit if there are public-private partnership deals that happen. He's going to pay for that tax credit with some of that repatriated money yep. that comes back through tax reform, which, which makes sense from a policy standpoint because that's one-time money. Yeah. You can't really s- start spending on a new social program to do it, so his plan is to kind of jumpstart the infrastructure piece. They do a lot of that in Europe. 
And I think in Europe, it's a system that has worked for, for uh, a number of years. And so the tax credit, it's nothing, it's nothing new in the world. It's certainly new in the U.S. Now, I think the challenge they're going to have is that every state has a different way uh, mm -hmm. to do public-private partnerships. Here in Ohio, we do work. Um, it's a little, I won't say it's convoluted, but it's certainly not, it's not easy to do public-private partnership transportation projects. And so each state has their own right. set of rules and regulations, and how, how that tax credit system flows down to the states to do those projects, that's, that's what's going to take some time to figure out. We clearly know, we, we've seen a lot of public-private partnerships work where private companies basically fund infrastructure projects. They tend to work best where there's a revenue flow. Where there's flow. a toll, that's right. right. Could be a toll road. Could it be could a be, fee. Could be it, a airports, yep. which are um, or, a, or a tipping fee, or yeah, a, you know whatever the case may be. It could be water and sewer projects. Uh -huh. So we know that they they clearly can work in those examples. We also know that they can work for non toll roads. You know, the state of Ohio has done that with a couple different projects. The biggest the bypass. the Portsmouth bypass project, where they got a bunch of money up front from private companies mm -hmm. and figured out how to do that. Part of what I think, I hope comes out of this from an infrastructure standpoint is that it isn't just money to build roads for the sake of roads, but we need site development. Yeah. If the federal government could, could replicate a program like Tennessee has that built four or five big mega sites that have four or five major auto manufacturers on them, that would be huge. That would be huge. And well, and that's really you're right. And you're exactly right. And that's something, you know, the Economic Development Administration could certainly bolster its programs that it has today. I mean, they've got their, they've got that, their public works program, but certainly being able to fund big projects like that, that would, that would have a huge benefit everywhere. Well, workforce, in, um, you know, which a lot of folks would define as infrastructure yep. as well. The, you know, there's the, the famous Mitt Romney comment about we need to change the 47 different federal government workforce programs, and he's right, yep. we do. And yep. we have too many programs with too little money, really kind of a really narrow focus that that does not that just does not work very efficiently so and it doesn't work for everybody i think that's the challenge they get they get rolled down to the states and then the states the regulations that are tied to it it's hard to get to the companies that yeah well and again and maybe it may be a strategy in this area is to is to block grant the money to the states get rid of all these programs mm -hmm. say we're going to focus on five growing industries healthcare financial services, manufacturing. The analysis to figure out what the five high-wage industries who need be. workers is not hard. Right. Well, we just talked about one. Yeah. We talked about a disruptive. In the last podcast, we talked about autonomous vehicles. That's something where the federal government could come in and say, we're going we're gonna to focus on a technology like this, and we're going to dedicate workforce resources to, to, change, the, uh, to change the workforce. So work, workforce, uh, infrastructure, another big one. The third one... Uh, third way to really uh, implement this this Trump vision is is to focus on energy. Yep. Uh, energy is one of the five big drivers of economic development. It's with the deployment of the technology enabling the capture of shale gas and oil, we've had a revolution in domestic energy production. I would say probably the same is true with you know the number of energy renewable mm -hmm. projects: wind, solar, geothermal, biomass. Unfortunately, again, it's unfortunate for a state like Ohio that has a, uh, a substantial coal industry. Too often out of Washington, there's been you know, an aggressive regulatory battle attacking coal. Yep. So we're believers that 
all energy sources are good, and we should try. And if we have them, we should use them. And and you've got to believe that's what Trump. Oh yeah, well. big time. But really, a big piece that they need to address in energy, and and it'd be another great idea for the, for the Trump administration, is to figure out how to get some resources tied to building the last mile of that energy pipeline to a project. Well, that's the biggest deal. We have that issue in Ohio all the time. We have a lot of natural gas, and the and the challenge is to getting that getting that pipeline tapping into the big pipeline to get to an industrial park to build a big project. I mean, that you're exactly right. And if we can address that, that would that would bring a lot of jobs. So the the fourth area really come is healthcare. I mean, it's a it's a massive oh, yeah. sector of the economy. Really, almost any place you go, the largest employers are hospitals. That's just an economic reality. Six of the largest. 12 employers in Ohio are hospitals. Mm-hmm. So, and in every community to go to, almost without fail, the largest employer is, a health, is healthcare. You know, we, we were out in Washington chatting with some folks last week, and clearly there's support to repeal Obamacare and replace it, but they're, quite, they're trying to figure out how to do it. How to replace it. Well, it's a massive program. Yeah. How, do you, how, do you, how do you replace it, and how do you, you know, states like Ohio that have had so much money come in from the for Medicaid, how do you how do you replace that system and fill those budget gaps? Well, one idea that they hope I hope they think about and include is to maybe just block grant again the money to the states and let the states decide. You like what the block? You like the block? Well, I, I think the reality is, and maybe it's the Ronald Reagan in me, but the reality is, the closer you get the resources to the people, to the people, the better off you are. You're absolutely. And you know, if New York wants to do, New York and California want to spend a bunch of money on a Medicaid expansion. Let them do it. Right. That's 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 their decision. Uh, if other states don't want to, because it's about half. Half the states took the Medicaid expansion and half didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can block grant that money, and then the states can really decide how they want to run a Medicaid program, and it's it's got it's got a lot of. Um, more, it, it it has potential to be more efficient that way. Well, and to keep the you, and the cost. The other reality is we're better off if people have health insurance. Well, of course. Otherwise, you have you have hospitals just. Having to dole out charity care, which is not a good, efficient system for anybody. But you have healthier workers. Yeah. You have workers that are showing up to work, that, that work longer, that live longer. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an economic development issue. And this fifth and final area is really about developing a more aggressive, high-tech, Midwestern, Great Lakes economy. And, again, it's, it's tied back to diversification. Part of it is it's wrapped up in this trade issue. The Trump campaign's taken an aggressive stance on the trade issue. Mm-hmm. You know, the tariffs that they've talked about, those help some places in the industrial Midwest, and they hurt others. Tariffs would be really bad for Central Ohio because they have a lot of very successful advanced services companies that are corporate headquarters here that have distribution operations, and they have a lot of products made overseas. If they're potentially, up, yeah, they might impact or uh, positively impact the steel industry. Right. So it might help other yeah. other sections of the state. But as we mentioned before, and, you know, we've looked at, at Lima as an example. There's all sorts of examples. You know, Lima has still a good chunk of its, uh, a good chunk of its workforce still in the manufacturing sector. I think it's about 20%. 26%. But they still have 30% poverty. Right. So. And their economy's not, their, their population isn't growing like it should. No. Uh, and their incomes are low, their, their home ownership rate is low, their median um, home value is low. So manufacturing isn't the, isn't the entire answer. It's got to be part of it, but it's not it the, can't whole be the whole answer. answer. 
It has to be no. It has to be high tech, high tech, high wage jobs uh, in other areas to be able to, to supplement that and to have co- people with college degrees because you still need people going to college and, and making making greater wages because of that. So it really comes down to venture capital access. Mm-hmm. It comes down to building a STEM workforce. It's that that science, technology, engineering, and math uh, focused workforce. It's it's really building that technology ecosystem that you need to help build and be successful. So that doesn't sound that hard, Nate. I mean, that's I just, think we got it all figured out. That's just five. If they would just talk to us, steps. if they would just talk to us. Well, they would just listen to us. Right. We we've got the answers. We have them laid out. I mean, we Maybe just told them the podcast. podcast number three. Yeah, in in twenty some minutes, they can they can really get all the answers. I gotta tell you, this is uh, this is easy. How hard could this, this be? This can't be done. All right. <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening. Thank you. And uh, have fun. Bye bye. Bye.